0: It's editing me here, right before, this is the intro to the intro. Just want to say there's quite a long intro. So if you are here to listen to the interview with Shay Holland, skip to 18 minutes in. But, um, I spill a lot of personal tea in the intro intro. So I recommend listening to that as well. Hello, and welcome to Bougie Adjacent. I'm Amanda Lauren, and it has been a minute. It has been quite a while. So I just wanted to, before I get into the show with Shay, who, by the way, it's such a good interview. I really like her. We've hung out a few times. We've become friends. I adore Shay. I think she's amazing. I think she's doing incredible things. And I can't wait to see like what she's going to do next because she's so smart and so interesting. Um, that being said, we did record that back in March. So it's been it's been a minute, and she's a star of HGTV's Unfinished Business. She um the show's now available um on Discovery Plus and I'm sure on other platforms as well. You just have to look. I will link to all of this and her information in the show notes. I also put her in a Forbes article that I was working on and interviewed her a little bit for that, and it's a great piece that's also linked in the show notes, but to get to me. So here's what's going on, and here's sort of why I put the show on hiatus. I did not one, not two, but three rounds of IVF, and when you do IVF, it's not like you just like schedule an operation like a boob job, and you go in, and they take out your eggs. It is a whole process involving two weeks of injecting hormones. Like I end up injecting myself 10 times or something, eight to eight or 10 times in one day. And it is absolutely exhausting on your body. The medications they give you do all sorts of things. And you know, we don't, I would say like, Lauren Edwards of the Skinny Confidential does talk a lot about hormones, but we really don't talk about how hormones impact the body and how they can like how they can really change how you feel, and how they can just—I mean, I—I I just don't—I—I I can't even get into it. Um, but I think that hormones are something we really need to discuss more in society. Maybe I'll have a hormone expert come on the show. Um, either way, it—it just—it makes me exhausted, and I work full time, and I'm a wife, and I'm a dog mom. And, you know, you're not supposed to get too stressed out when you do um, IVF. So I had to give up something and it was putting the show, but I'm back on. And I just wanted to give everyone an update. I have good news. So I am not pregnant yet. Okay, so to give you a little bit of background, when you do IVF, there's multiple processes. So if you know someone that says she's freezing her eggs, freezing your eggs and IVF are basically the same I would say it's like a multiple step process and the beginning of it is exactly the same. You do all these injections, they time it to your period, they take out your eggs. When you just freeze your eggs, they just take out your eggs, they test them to see what's mature, what's immature, and then they cryogenically freeze them. When you do IVF, they take your eggs, throw them in a Petri dish, mix them with, um, with sperm, and then create embryos And if the embryos turn into blastocysts, which I believe is five days, but I'm not a scientist, so don't quote me on this, they then send those off for genetic testing. Um, You don't have to do that, but we chose to do that because when I had a miscarriage, um, if you're new to the show, I had a miscarriage, I talk about it quite a bit. Um, When I had a miscarriage, First two rounds, I didn't have a lot of eggs. I had 12 the first time. I can't remember how many were mature. The second time I only had nine and none of the blastocysts. Only one made it to blastocysts each time and they were not viable, um, I found out. So that was really hard. So I decided to do it a third time and I went balls to the wall doing all of this natural stuff. Um, I will share what I did. Now, I'm not a doctor. This is not medical advice, but I do want to share what I did. If you're um, an aspiring mom and you want to know, you can also feel free to DM me if you want to talk about this. Um, But what I did was I did, and all of this was very fringe. So I took DHEA pills, which um. It's a banned substance if you're an Olympian. I don't, I'll be honest with you, I did not do much research into that, but a friend of mine who had had, who had been in a similar situation told me to try it, so I did. I took DHEA. I took CoQ10 pills, which I had done before, um, and I don't really think they did anything, but I also did injections of CoQ10, um, or some people call it ubiquinol. It's the same thing, Um and I got those done, I think I got three injections of that and three injections of vitamin D before my egg retrieval. I also did an NAD IV, which is something I actually think, I actually feel like I should, again, I'm getting ideas, I feel like I should do an episode on NAD, but it basically restarts your body kind of. Um, again, I'm not a doctor, but um, It's a very, I will say, it's a very expensive treatment. It can cost even like $1,000 for one IV. Um, I found a place to do it for a little bit less. And I know it's not something that is available everywhere. I will say, if you don't live in a place that has like, that does, where you can just like pop into a med spa or a functional medicine like store, office, practice, and get an IV. You can order injections over the internet, um, which I looked into, but I just decided to go and get an IV. So, or you can take um, True Niogen is NAD in a pill form, which is totally doable. They ship everywhere. True Niogen is not a sponsor of this podcast. Um, And by the way, I know none of this has anything to do with design or decorating or HGTV, but a lot of people have been asking me what is going on, so I decided to share it this way. Um, Anyway, so we ended up getting, I did all of this crazy stuff. We ended up with 18 eggs, um, 16 of which were mature, but something kind of difficult happened. Um, my husband got sick, won't say what it is, but I'll let you guess, (laughs) like the day before. And we thought he was fine, but he wasn't. And the doctor says he has to wait to do his part for a few weeks. So they froze the eggs. Everything is fine. Um, but my doctor dr gadir who was on a previous episode would like me to do um, he would like me to do one more egg freezing cycle and then because i had such incredible results and by the way just want to say this obviously you can't i'm not a science experiment i can't say that doing all those natural things caused me to have more eggs but I would advise if you are freezing your eggs or if you are having trouble conceiving, it definitely can't hurt to do those things. Um, and, you know, the numbers, for me at least, the numbers spoke for themselves. Um, so we might do a fourth egg freezing cycle and then put the sperm and the egg all together and the eggs all together in one shot. Um, We're still deciding what to do. I actually, my husband and I are going to talk about it tomorrow. I honestly have very mixed feelings about doing a fourth cycle. It is murder on my body. It has, like, none of my clothing fits right. I feel absolutely disgusting all the time after doing this three times. And that shouldn't discourage anyone from doing IVF. It's just the reality that, like, it really ruins, like, it really ruins your body. You also can't work out much when you are doing an IVF cycle and I'm used to like working out really intensely five days a week and I just feel like and I know your body changes when you're pregnant but I'm not pregnant um and I just feel gross right now um but I will go I'm probably so in the middle of all this, it is the summer. We are going to go to the Hamptons for a short summer. We're going to go away for six weeks. Last year, we went away for 10 weeks. The, week befo- the year before, we went away for eight weeks. But we're going to do a shorter summer and come back and then decide, um, I may or may not do a fourth cycle. I don't know. It's just not something, it's weird. There's a part of me that's like, I've done this three times. If it's not meant to be, like after three times, I don't want to push it. Um, and I believe that everything has divine timing and even though I feel like my time should have come a while ago, I think God kind of had other plans. I just don't know what they are and it's extremely frustrating and disheartening, especially after losing a child, um, And that's that's really what it is. So we're just deciding what to do. But either way, the good news is I have 16 mature eggs. He has a lot to work with, Um, and I'm listen. Like if everything goes well, and I don't want to say like I don't even want to say it, but I kind of don't even care at this point. Like hopefully, I should be pregnant by September, October, and if it's not meant for me to have a child this way or to have a child at all, um, then it's just not going to happen and my life will go on. And I think you can have a meaningful life without having a child. Um, but, and a lot of people have asked me, why don't I adopt? And the answer is I'd love to adopt. We'd look into, we looked into adopting a child from Ukraine. Um, it is so difficult to adopt. They make it Totally, I mean, I've never seen anything like this in my life. They really make it so difficult, which is why I think more people don't adopt. So yeah, the answer is we'd love to adopt. And if we don't have a child this way, we probably will. But it's actually easier for us to try to conceive a child ourselves than it is to adopt, unfortunately. Um, I really wish they made it easier because there are so many kids in foster homes or, um, you know, in foster homes or God knows where. um, But they just for whatever reason they make it incredibly incredibly difficult um i know it's easier to do foster to adopt which is also something that we looked into but unfortunately um the goal of the foster program at least in the state of california where we live is to reunite parents and their children which is which is really counter-inducive counterproductive to adopting um And I think that the, I mean personally, you would never say that to someone, you know, even if these children come from homes where their parents are on drugs or they're abused or God knows what, remember the goal is to ultimately reunite them. And you would never say something like that to a victim of domestic violence, well, to a female, you know, adult victim of domestic violence, like, oh, the ultimate goal is to reunite you with your horrible, you know, evil partner. So that's just something to to think about, um, and I also I'll, another thing about okay. So I probably shouldn't say this. Another thing about foster to adopt is I know Ra- I know people don't like Rachel Hollis, and I don't know how I feel about her anymore. I used to really like her, but in her book "Girl Wash Your Face," she talked about her experience of doing foster to adopt, and it. I'll be honest with you it kind of put a bad taste in my mouth about, about doing that. Um, because people can call child protective services on you at any time and you'll have these people in your life for months and it's just, it just did like, I, you know, I think that, but it's her truth and it is the truth and I think learning that just made me think differently about, about the whole thing. So I know, I know this is kind of a downer. I've I've been going on for fifteen minutes here, but yeah. If you that being said, if you know someone who wants to place a child with a super nice, fun couple that lives in California and spends the summer in the Hamptons, uh, you know, <laughs> send them my way. Um, but I do, I do think we will end up having a child. Um, and yeah that's that's what's going on with that so hopefully i'll have another update as to what we're going to do before the next show but it kind of just looks like we're putting everything on hold we're leaving right before we're going to go away um in late june and we'll be back in mid-august so that's you know we're, we're going to resume it then i just genuinely feel like my body needs a break I'd also like to try naturally a little bit because that way I don't have to have another surgery or multiple, you know, or and like another procedure to do the egg transfer and all of that. Because I think that that is really a high anxiety time for a lot of people is when your egg is transferred um, because you can lose the baby. So I just think that, I'm sorry, when the embryo is transferred. So we're just sort of, I don't know, it's like, I was just so gung-ho and I was just, you know, I did three cycles right in a row and all of this, but I just feel like my body is tired and I need a break for a few weeks. Um, I also I also don't like LA in the summer. Um, I really like to go away. And because of this, I haven't really, it's so funny because as a writer, I get offered all these press trips and I haven't been able to do them because of, um, because of doing IVF. I just haven't been able to get away at all. And I feel like I really need a change of scenery. We're also in the middle of a big redecorating project um, in our apartment. In the middle of all of this, which is probably not wise considering shipping times, but um, here we are. So hopefully everything will come in before we leave. If not, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm sure we will be able to figure out something with our house sitter. Um, Anyway, um, that's it. That's what's been going on with me. I'm back to posting once a week. I have a really good episode next week. I don't want to spoil it, but I'm super excited. Um, And then I'm probably going to do some solo episodes as well. I think I'm going to record with Francesca Grace um, from HGTV. She's super nice. I met her actually the same week that I did, I think I actually went to a party at her house the same night I recorded with Shay or maybe it was like the day afterwards. I can't remember. But she has a super interesting story. I really, really like her. She's so talented. She is so, her aesthetic is just, oh, she's like cottage core to the max. Uh, She also designed Kyle Richards' house from Real Housewives. So um, I'm probably going to have her on the show. Excited for that. Have a really good episode next week. We'll probably do some fun solo shows with good tips in the Hamptons. And um, that's it. That's it for now. That's what's going on with me. As always, you can follow me um, at It's Amanda Lauren on on HGTV. I wish. I wish. Manifesting on... IG on the gram, um, at it's Amanda Lauren and at Amanda Lauren on Twitter. Uh, all the links are in the show notes. And here we go. Here we go. Here's my interview with Shay Holland. Hello and welcome to Bougie Adjacent. I'm Amanda Lauren. Today I am with a very talented host and HGTV star, Shay Holland. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, I feel like we have a lot to talk about. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It's so fun to be here with you today, Amanda. I've been looking forward to this. (laughs) This is great. So what I want to know is this. So you were on Unfinished Business, which is maybe the best title of an HGTV show ever. I feel like whoever gets to name the HGTV shows, I mean, obviously, like, it's different production companies naming it, but they're always, like, very, very clever, I find.
1: Aren't they? I so wish they could brand me because I have been trying to come up with like a classy name forever and just can't. But yeah, whoever is naming the shows is definitely genius.
0: (laughs) So how did you get into, okay, so I just want to know about your background because I know that you were a host before you got this and you were an interior designer. So tell me about yourself. Well, let's see. I don't even know
1: where to start. (laughs) Um, I'll start with the design end of stuff because that's what I'm doing now, obviously, with the HGTV show. And my background in that is I've been doing it ever since I was a kid. It's one of those stories. I think a lot of HGTV hosts have that story since uh, they really look for people who actually do what they say they do. And it's not just a hobby. And so ever since I was a kid, my dad had me, you know, just in um, different houses. He worked for a company that got houses ready for the market, but he had PTSD. So he didn't like going into the small spaces, you know, in the attics Mm -hmm. and, Cross spaces and stuff like that. And so he would take me and my brother along to the sites and hand us a flashlight and tell us to look for leaks or cracks or whatever. And so that's how I got involved in um, just doing stuff with houses. I found it fascinating. I always say I felt like it was in Narnia or some other land when you're looking at the sides of houses most people never see. So it's been a lifelong passion ever since then. And all roads finally led to HGTV.
0: That's that's so exciting. It's, it's so funny that you say that because when I started writing about interior design, people were like, what? I'm like, I've always been obsessed with interior design, like my whole life. I just haven't really talked about it um, or like, I guess, made it my brand publicly, but it's always been something I was really into. Um, so how did the HGTV opportunity come up? Because I have to tell you, I sort of know because I was having a virtual coffee with Barbara Barna Abel. And I'm like, okay, you have to tell me, how did Shay get her show? Like, what is the story? What is the scoop? And she, I should have her on this podcast one day. She's great. Um, You know, how, like, so how did this happen? Because I think it's a really interesting, like, it was meant to be kind
1: of story. Oh, it totally was meant to be because it was in the midst of COVID um and i was not looking to work for hgtv or even looking at design stuff i'd been hosting in entertainment before that i was in news about as far from home stuff as you can get um and i think i just you know never looked at working in that space even though it was always my passion i loved it but i never really put two and two together i don't know why not and then i was interviewing barbara and you definitely need to have her on um, who and Barbara is a media giant, and she was um, running late that day on our interview. And I was, I was like, don't worry. I was just, I can't even remember to this day what I was doing, but it was something using power tools. And I said that, and she was like, Shay don't you realize that's a hugely marketable skill? What are you not doing? You know, why are you not doing something with that? And I was like, I don't know. I just never thought about it. <laughs> and um, and then the next day, I think it was literally the next day, there was a casting in a group I run called Host in LA. And somebody who's known me for a while tagged me on this post that was looking for an HG, a, a contractor or a designer um, to start on this show. And it didn't say HGTV. So I had no idea it was for HGTV. And I actually wasn't even going to submit because I didn't have the reel, the kind of video that they needed um, to be part of the audition process. But long story short, I got home that night and I started thinking about what Barbara had said and that my friend had tagged me. And I was like, you know what? It's COVID. There is no work. Um, I'm going to sit here and make a reel in my living room and just submit it. But I knew By the time I got done, it was late. They had said on the casting, it was the last day. There had been a nationwide search going on for a while. But I sent it off anyway. And the next morning, I literally got a phone call from the um, company that was doing the casting um, saying that they they got my reel, they loved it, and uh, they wanted to put me in the mix, um, even though they had never auditioned me. I never had an in-person audition. I had never talked to anybody. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And and I was, you know, jumping for joy, but then the casting director, she's like, Well, there's more and I'm like, Well, what is it? you know and she's like, We've actually already heard back from H G T V and you're their choice And I was like what oh, the heck my gosh <laughs> yeah it's absolutely insane it's just crazy so um i think we started you know within um just a, a short time after that we were already ready to go and filming because they had had the main host on um on hold for about a year or year and a half and so they Ooh. really wanted to get this show off the ground and so we met the very first day of filming was the first day i met anybody <laughs>
0: that's like that's like a dream like, that's, like, literally, you go to bed and you wake up and HGTV is, like, knocking at your door.
1: I know. It's absolutely insane, isn't it? That's, <laughs> that's what I love about it.
0: That's wild. So how many episodes were there?
1: So we shot um, a short season because we didn't even have a pilot, which is also insane. Everything about this process was insane. <laughs> like, nothing makes but sense. No, none far- of it. Right? Um, So we never had a pilot, which would be the normal process. And and normally we would have had, you know, a couple of months of auditions and everything like that. Um, But they um, had this show on hold. They loved it. We had a producer that they loved and they had decided to green light it and just go straight into production. So we shot a, a short season of four episodes and now we're waiting to hear if we get season two and then that would be a longer season.
0: It's amazing. So tell everyone who hasn't watched Unfinished Business yet about it because I think it's such a good premise for a show because I think and I love HGTV, but I think that like the and I don't want to say it's a problem. It's not a problem, but they show like the beauty and they show like all the gorgeous things you can do and the talent of so many people. And this is not a show entirely about people that have no talent. And that's That's what I love about it. (laughs) It's totally real because, and I was saying, you know, before we started recording, I think we live in a very unrealistic world when it comes to interior design. I think that people watch, and I say, I don't really blame HGTV. I blame YouTubers that do things where like DIY, construction, building, and design are real skills. It's almost like singing, okay? Sometimes you're born with it. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes you can take lessons and you're good. But not everyone is going to kill it at karaoke. Absolutely.
1: And, you know, and I, I, I love our show because, um, like I said, it is a little bit different. That was part of why we also went straight into series because it's not really like a lot of shows out there. And ours is um, people that really messed up their DIY projects, messed <laughs> up their homes. And literally have whole parts of their homes that they can't even use because they messed up their DIY project so bad. So we did a lot of kitchens and bathrooms because those seem to be um, the rooms that people can mess up the most. And as designers and builders, we always say, do not DIY your own plumbing or electrical work because you can burn down your house or flood it. Or I also say I would include roofing. Like, do not, in- just don't, just don't. <laughs> um, roofing and so,
0: like, uh, <laughs> roofing yeah, seems this? like, you could End up in the hospital, like very quickly, if that goes wrong.
1: Yes, any of them it could 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 definitely cause a lot of problems. And so, um, in our show, though, you know, most of the shows, the the family goes away, and then you don't see them again till the reveal. If you know, or you see them just a very little bit. On our show, the families are part of the show from the beginning to the end, and they're actually learning the whole process. And they're, um, it's kind of like a. I don't know if you've ever worked with Habitat for Humanity. I that's where I learned a lot of my skills. But it's that model where they're putting in that sweat equity and they're learning and they're actually doing the rebuilding with us. And so um, you really get to know the families on a whole different level. You get to know their stories. And a lot of the stories are just very emotional. It's not that they tried necessarily and just couldn't like comprehend. A lot of times life got in the way um you know and it, and like in one case the mom you know had a heart attack halfway through oh her God. project and and she was trying to um make her home handicap um accessible for her mother And so now she has the, the, you know, she has a heart attack and then their 25 year old daughter is trying to take care of them and she can't finish the the DIY. So there's the whole bathroom and kitchen unusable. So all of the stories are very different of the families. And like I said, a lot of times life just gets in the way. Sometimes you think you can start something and finish it in a few days like they do on YouTube. No, no, (laughs) it's not going to happen that way. So the for, so what's so
0: the format of the show it what is the format of the show for people that haven't seen it so you enter so basically Tom who is the main you know contractor and designer comes in he he's also a coach which he I thought our was our main coach yeah
1: he doesn't do so I do the design so we have three three of us so Tom is our coach and he's the main host and he works with the family side by side um, but also coaches them through the issues that led to the unfinished project so that they don't run into this problem again. And then there's Greg, who is our contractor, and he works in, on helping them with the actual building, the hands-on, the demo, and everything else. And then I'm the designer, and so my job was to uh, sit down with the families and find out what would be their dream for that space and, and try to help them execute that. And, and, and that's what you see on the reveals is the coming together of the three of us on the show.
0: I also want to say, so I saw the first two episodes and I want to say the editing was like really understatedly brilliant because when you came in, I am kind of giving something away, but I'm sure when people (laughs) listen, so these people destroyed in the first episode, they destroyed their bathroom and they destroyed their kitchen and the kitchen has like no ceiling and there, it has like what looked, you said it was cream. It looked white. What? like, on my screen, but, like, this, like, subway tile backsplash, and you guys are talking about the backsplash, and the whole time, like, there's literally a hole in the ceiling, (laughs) guys. there's a hole in the ceiling, (laughs) like, the backsplash is totally functional, like, I'm, like, don't even replace the backs, do you, can you look above you and see what's wrong, and I just thought it was so, and, like, whoever edited that, I mean, it was just, I mean, it's not supposed to be funny, but, like, I'm like and I'm just and this just sort of makes a statement about DIY and people which is I think people miss the forest for the trees like the backsplash doesn't matter if you have no ceiling right <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, the back bus was cream. I will say that. But that is a funny one. That was Sheena and Tony, and they were just an amazing couple to work with. Um, but, yes, he had tried some plumbing and electrical, and he has an electrical background. Oh. Um, but just got in over his head when he tried to put some lighting in the kitchen and could not get the ceiling level. I think he did it about three times and then kind of gave up. So they hadn't cooked a meal at home together. I, I want to say it was like a year. And um, and his wife, you know, you, which, you know, for kids you know they i think they have four or five kids i can't remember off the top of my head so, they've been eating uh, yes it's a big family so they've been eating out almost every meal or ordering in and finally i think the wife was like that's it i i uh, you know you want to sit down for a family meal and and cook and have breakfast together or whatever so yeah all of the families so that's where tom, um tom comes in because it does create issues when you have an unfinished project sometimes and you've really impacted the lives of your family
0: It was just, it was just so interesting. And I like, I mean, let me ask, do you see what, what are some of the worst mistakes that people can make? Because listen, I know that like we live in this world where I hate to say it, but like things cost money and we try to save money. And I think that the problem is people try to save money on the wrong things. Like, listen, anyone can figure out how to do a paint job. Now, it's not going to look as good as it would be with a professional, but if you're trying to like save money or you're trying or you have a really strict budget for a project, you know, you can buy Benjamin Moore instead of Portola. You can go do it yourself, but maybe like you can't move the bathtub from one side of the bathroom to the other. You kind of have to pick. So, what are like some of the worst mistakes you've seen people make on the show?
1: Uh, well, on the show, I would say um, definitely uh, in the bathroom, people trying to move plumbing themselves, and um, I think in one case, he the pl- the the plumbing, the way he tried to attach it was wrong, and so it leaked all the way down into the rooms below, oh. and. Now you have not only a bathroom that is completely unusable. Now you've got this horrible leak, and water leaks are terrible. I'm working on one right now that we've been working on since December, and just the amount of work it takes to make sure that there's no mold, to get that room back up to speed, all the materials that you've got to take out. I'm telling you, anything with water, just don't, 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 don't do it. Um, I had one other client another time who I, I got this frantic phone call that the toilets were all steaming, like there was steam coming up out of the toilets. And I'm like what the heck? I'm like, I'm sending a plumber right now. And I had never even seen this, but um, they had hooked it up to the hot water supply line. And... So there you have hot water coming up out of your toilet, not to mention the cost of your utilities. So yeah, there's, all of, you know, it's just crazy. So the things you can do um, that, that can go wrong, you know, those are some of the funny things, but it is, you know, some things that can go wrong that are dangerous. Um, and that's when, you know, anything that has to do with a ladder, I can't tell you how many people I know who have fallen off of ladders and been seriously hurt. Um, we have one family friend that actually fell and broke his neck and died. So I, I, I tell you people, I mean, DIY, even though it looks fun, it sounds fun. If you're not, if you don't know the safety precautions to take, even for example, when you're up on a ladder, it's, it's, uh, it can be so dangerous. So there's a funny side to it, but there's also a serious side to some of the mistakes that I've seen.
0: Oh no, I get it. One time I had to coax my dad off of a ladder, changing a light bulb. And I was, and I said to him, I'm like, I'm going to be the one to die of a heart attack here. You have to get down right now. And eventually he, he got down, but I was just like, you cannot, it was just like, it was um, in my parents where they used to have like a summer house and they actually have public safety because people have high ceilings there. It's like a gated community that they, they will change those light bulbs, you know, once every 25 years that are all the way, you know, 20 feet up, 30 feet up, however
1: high it is. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Just um. Yeah, like I said, some of the things, but it's, I mean, the rewards are worth it and they're great, but even some of this, the stuff that people think is easy is not, the results that you're going to get are going to look so amateur that I don't know that it's, that they should have done the DIY. Like we always say, oh, you can paint this room yourself and do it yourself. And then you see all these drips down the wall and you see yeah. these lines at the ceiling level where it's all over the place. And it just, it, you see paint all over the trim. It drives me crazy when we say painting is so easy. It is not that easy to get a professional-looking result when you do it yourself. You've got to know what you're doing with your paintbrushes. You've got to know what you're doing with your roller. You've got to know how to tape off if you tape off. And so I, it, that, that's one of the things I will say that drives me crazy when people are like, it's so easy. Do it yourself. And I'm like, it's going to look like um, probably your seven-year-old did it, though, if you don't know what you're doing, even when it comes to painting. Okay. I had one person that painted her cabinets well she didn't prime she didn't Ooh. stand why within two weeks the paint was peeling so bad um so preparation is is definitely key on diy projects and that's what you don't often get to see on like these youtube videos because that's there is nothing glamorous about prep work
0: no it's not it's not fun oh um, wait did she not even i did she not even like remove the cabinets either when she
1: was painting them Nope. Didn't remove them either. Just thought, you know, I can just put some extra paint on this, you know, cabinet here and it'll refresh it. It'll look brand new. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And the amount thing she had to pay completely to bring somebody in who could take care of that. So she should have just paid in the beginning instead of wasting her time and resources on trying to do it, you know, without any prep. That's that's
0: totally wild. So let me ask you, what happens behind the scenes on HGTV? Because obviously, it's an edited show. It's a reality
1: show. How long were you at each house? Well, we were on a super condensed time schedule. And I would never wish anybody doing these projects as fast as we did. I think we had, you know, like three or four weeks um, max for each of the projects. they, They were trying to get us you know, to air pretty quickly. Um, but I will say that in our case, because the families are doing it, the families put in long, long, long hours. Um, I mean, we're doing our, our jobs and we're putting in long hours too. But like for me as a designer, I, I drove thousands and thousands and thousands of miles just to source for all of the houses because it was the height of COVID. And so everybody was just uh, literally working night and day, night, including the families in this case.
0: Well Now, did you teach them or did Tom teach them how to, because obviously, like, they tried to do these things. They failed at doing these things. So who was teaching them how to do things properly? So that's
1: where Greg, the contractor, came in, and Greg did a lot of teaching along with Tom, and um, a lot of people said that they wish they had seen more of the design side. Um, That was probably, you know, I got a lot of that feedback. We didn't focus on uh, teaching them design and their skills. I I just sat down in a meeting with them, which you see in episode one, you don't see in the other episodes, where I just really got – what were their dreams for their home? Um, like in one case, the, the mom really wanted to redo this uh, space and that um, I think it was a, like a breezeway or something um, and had knocked out some walls and had started the process but had just gotten in over her head. And um, and I just knew, it, you know, we could make that into this dining area for her. She had, you know, like 14 relatives in the area and they had never had a Christmas in years together or anything because she didn't have even a space to sit down and eat in her home anymore because the uh-huh. DIY gone wrong. Um, so I just really listened to what the families wanted and I knew she wanted a, a space for family to sit down and have a meal. And then from there, I just got, what were their styles? And she said, I could see it being, you know, um, like a a, a, a pub feeling. So really fun and lively. Cause she's got a lot of, you know, older kids. And, um, and I just got this image in my mind of like a pub meets a New York loft. And I knew that that was her style and going in the right direction. So once I sat down with them and talked about what colors they liked and didn't like, Um, and got, you know, just an idea of how they wanted to live in their space, then I took it from there. And I um, just because I think of time and COVID, initially we were going to have where you saw the family going shopping with me, like for tile and things like that. But we literally could not do that just because of the timing of when our show was shot.
0: Oh, wow. So you really had to, I mean, sourcing anything, I have to say it's, even now I had a piece of furniture overnighted to me. It took a month. Over a month, actually, <laughs>
1: to, and a that a- I did. it's oh, this. That, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: it's really hard, and especially yeah, I'm sure during. So, where were you? Go- Let me ask: Are you allowed to say where you like sourcing things from? Because I thought your designs were
1: beautiful on the show. Oh, thank you. It was um, you know, literally just all over the place because. When I first, my first idea was, okay, I'm just going to like go online and I'm going to order a bunch of stuff and have it sent to, you know, the storage room. And then, you know, it'll, it, it will be pretty easy. Well, the first piece I ordered, they said, okay, it'll be there in a couple of days. I get a text or a, a, an email the next morning. Oh, because of the supply chain issues, it'll be there in April. Well, we needed to have the reveals done by January. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, that's not going to work. And then I got a call from one store that I had ordered another piece from, and they said, you need to come get this now. And I, it was so fun. I'm like, I, I can't come get that in my little sedan. Why do I need to come get it now? And the, the woman, she, was, um, she said, you know, it's, we may have to shut down any day. And if we shut down, you, nobody's allowed inside the store. You can't get your piece.
0: And so wow. uh, it
1: was just, yeah. So we, what we ended up having to do was to get um, a, a huge storage space Um, And then, literally, um, I had this van that the uh, HGTV rented for me, and I had uh, uh, some of the PAs, um, production assistants, um, who would drive this huge truck, and we, we drove everywhere from chino covina ventura these are all places here like far away in california you don't want to be driving that much but there was just no choice anytime i found something that was in stock i would just you know call the store i was looking online and i'd say i'll be there by 9 p.m if you're open till 9 p.m are you or whatever time you open tomorrow we'll be there we'll pick it up so i wasn't ta- i couldn't take any more chances because uh you know just it was so hard to get stuff that was a nightmare
0: it's, it's still pretty hard. It's so funny. There was an influencer who contacted me who I've, I'm not going to say who it is, but it's someone who I'm going to put um on, on Forbes. And I've put her on Forbes before. And she's just, she's so funny because she has like really, really great taste. And I'm always like commenting on it. And she's like, well, this room is going to be done. I think in about a month, because I just have a desk and some custom drapes. I'm like, girl, I don't want to be negative, And I don't want to disappoint you, but supply chain issues or it might be a little bit more than a month so we'll see (laughs) how it we'll see how it is but it's just I it's been really hard for everyone and a lot of people it's like have like settled for stuff because it's just like well I don't want to wait eight months for a chair
1: yeah I think you have to really once you know your design style and I think You know, even before the DIY, a lot of people have already gone wrong because they don't know their design style. They don't know what story they're trying to tell with their design. And so you're getting this mishmash of things that aren't going to flow. So I would say even back it up before you start a DIY and have a really clear plan of what you want your house to feel like. That's actually where I start. I don't start with what I want it to look like. I start with what I want it to feel like. Um, and then that it allows me the flexibility if I have to make a change, um, which a lot of times you're going to have to make changes. I came to hate the word back order. <laughs> <laughs> that to me was the word that was like, nails on a chalkboard you know with stuff being backordered. but because I had clear plans I can be flexible enough to make adjustments then Um, a lot of times it was on the fly I think there was one part I wish they had shown this scene in episode one but I don't I can't remember if they did or not I'll have to watch it where we literally had to make a change in some tile and we had 30 minutes to go find a new tile. But as long as we stayed within our plan, we could do that. So planning is Just
0: (laughs) thinking about that, like thirty minutes to find new tiles, like driving to like Home Depot or It's Like, what are we gonna do?
1: Well, literally, it was like I said to the homeowner, "Okay, I'm like, you go to that place, I'm going to this place. We're gonna Facetime when we get there. We're each gonna come back with three options, (laughs) and 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 the words are in stock. They must be." In stock. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but that, that to me is part of, um, I don't know, I find that fun, I guess, because that's my news background, like working under deadline doesn't cause me huge amounts of anxiety because of my news background, which is constant deadlines. Um, I actually tend to feel like that's when stuff gets done. And you just because you have no choice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, as a writer, I totally understand that too. Like, guess what? It's like, it's so funny. I got um assigned some articles today from a website, from a big website. I don't want to say who it is. So I haven't turned it in yet. And I was like so excited. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much going on. So I'm like, I'll get it done. I'll just find a way to get it done. And I think that like, I'm like, how am I? I don't know. I'll just do it. I'll get up early a few days. But it's deadlines, I think, are very good for people. So your approach design is like how it, how it should feel. What do you think? It's really interesting that you say that because I think that like, I see, especially on Facebook, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups and people, you know, with so many people moving now, I always see, I just bought a new house. This is a photo of it. What should I do? And I'm like, you should hire a designer. That's what you should do. (laughs) You should get out of this Facebook group. Or you should go on Modsy or Havenly or any of those virtual designs because not everyone can afford an interior designer. Or there's a lot of people that just don't want something that hands on due to schedule or, you know, even like with COVID, I think a lot of people are still afraid. And listen, if you have, you know, if people have like underlying conditions, they may not want to meet with someone, they may not feel comfortable. Everyone's got to do what they're comfortable with. Um... But that being said, how do you think someone like how if someone is just starting from scratch, how do you translate how should this feel to an actual project?
1: It's a lot of conversation, a lot of research, what on um I tend to work very intuitively, um, which is a little bit difficult in that it makes it a little bit hard for me to translate into words what I'm hearing somebody say. Um, But I tend to just know it. But I will give you an example. Like on the show, we did mood boards, which um, a lot of people just start with a mood board and just literally start collecting online or even, you know, in magazines, if people still get those um, images that attract uh, that they're attracted to you don't even stop to try to figure out why. It's just if you are, you are. If you're not, you're not. And start to collect those. And then when you sit down with, with somebody who has a trained eye, whether that's a designer or a friend who's really good at it, they'll start to see pieces come together. They'll start to say, oh, you know what, all these images that you collected have that certain shade of blue in them. And be like, oh, I never saw that. So there's something like almost subconsciously that you're being attracted to. When I do mood boards, invariably, you're going to see a lot of light airiness because um, I I live at the beach. The idea of of a beach atmosphere just, it fills my soul. And so people that I work with tend to be along the same lines because, you know, I work in the beach communities. And so they don't want necessarily, you know, a bunch of grandma's mahogany stuff in their beach Mm -hmm. house. So there's some things where also your environment will um, help you begin to come up with, with your plan, but um, that's where somebody who's trained can help you begin to decipher it. I worked with one guy who had a bun- he hated his house and it was a in a, a great place. So I said, "Well, what is it you hate about it?" He said, "I don't know," and I knew right away what it is. I said, "You didn't pick out any of this furniture, did you?" He said, "No, my mom gave it to me." <laughs> oh God, I'm like, okay, this is. <laughs> this is it. Your taste is not your mom's taste. I said, would you be offended if we put everything in the garage and just like let you live in the house with just like a bed and that's it. And then we'll go from there. And he's like, uh, and he really struggled with it, you know, because mom had spent a lot of money and given it to him. But I said, none of this is you and you're really never going to like your house if you don't start to find who you are and live in it that way. And so I think a lot of times we don't really know what our own personal style is, but that's where a designer comes in. And like I said, it's a lot of listening. It's a lot of um, trying to understand. What is the the story that you want your house to to tell and how do you want it to function? Like I'm one of our families, the, the Ventura family, um, i just kept hearing the wife say she she really wanted to have people over but they didn't have the living the, the husband had messed up the living room or hadn't finished the diy projects and that's all i kept hearing is she wanted like just a place for people to just come hang out a place for people and that was the function of the room and so i knew based on that that i had to have really comfortable seating in that space so that that's makes how you so
0: much sense because i feel like a lot of times people either have a super grand vision Or they have no idea what they want and they're like, I like farmhouse or I like modern. And modern could mean 18 things. Or I like mid-century modern. And then you show them things with angled legs and they're like, I don't like angled legs. You know? Um, (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, it's definitely true.
0: (laughs) What do you think all these people who started DIYs and couldn't complete
1: them had in common? Oh, that's a great question. What did they have in common? Um, I think uh, overestimating their skills. And people think, oh, well, I see them knocking out. Everybody seems to be able to pick up a sledgehammer on HGTV. Now, this I will blame HGTV because everybody is picking up a sledgehammer on Demo Day. Demo Day is a big deal, and everybody from Chip and Joanna to whoever is picking up a sledgehammer. But... (laughs) if you knock out the wrong walls you know if they're load-bearing or if you hit um, a stud in that wall you know you might end up in the hospital so um yeah so uh definitely it was overestimating their skills um when it came to you know plumbing was the big one overestimating their skills their electrical and then also trying to change the configuration of rooms so i think um you know, people just don't understand that you there's a lot that you need to know about about what's behind a wall before you take a sledgehammer to it. Do people not really
0: know that? Like, I feel like it's so. I mean, maybe just because I'm in this world that it's so
1: obvious to me. Yeah, Is it not yeah. You know, to everyone else. <laughs> it's not. In fact, two at least two of our families had tried to take out walls, um, and and granted, they could take them out, but putting them back up in uh, the place that they want them now, now that's a whole nother thing. So um, yeah, it's, uh, I think, overestimating skills. And then also, like I said, in a lot of cases, life got, life threw them a curve. And um, like in the Ventura case that you were talking about, I think our Palmdale was our first episode. um, They had a baby as they were in the midst of some of the renovation and the baby was born very, very ill. And so now all of their time needs to go to taking care of their baby. And they Uh. just never got around to, the home stuff again, life, you know, life kind of ran away with them. So that's really more the stories you see on our show is, you know, families where for some reason life got, got a hold of them and they ran into trouble. In one case, the mom was scammed um, and she was an older woman and had trusted somebody else to help her finish. And she got scammed out of $10,000 and then didn't have any more money to refinish the project. And so that's another piece of advice I would give people. Anytime you're doing a renovation, never pay by cash. Even if you're buying the supplies and materials, buy it with a credit card. Because if something goes wrong, at least you have the protection of your credit card. I know several people that have been scammed by people saying, oh, I'll help you with your DIY. And so, yeah, you just have to be very careful too when you're um, asking for help doing a DIY.
0: Do you think that there's anything that people can do themselves?
1: Oh, yeah, there's definitely a lot that they can do. Um, But again, I would say, um, make sure you watch a variety. If you're going to just DIY and you've never done it before, make sure you watch a variety of different videos and different techniques. And I would only I wouldn't necessarily do it from just maybe another homeowner. I would definitely watch videos by experts showing how to do stuff. I've learned so much myself just about um, what was I looking up the other day? I can't even remember. But oh, I was um, looking at uh, even though I tell people not to do electrical, um, mm-hmm. I feel like my skills are, maybe I would have gotten it over my head. I wanted to change out some outlets. And so I'm like, I'm going to watch, um, you know, some some videos on this and just make sure I'm doing it right. So I think it's, you know, depending on your own level of knowledge, have you watched somebody else do this before? Have you been around it before? You know, whereas most of the stuff I've been around, obviously, since I've been building houses, you know, starting back in my Habitat days. So um, I I would say definitely make sure you watch the experts and not just the homeowners and make sure that you watch something or read, you know, about the preparation for the project as well. And I like to make sure that I have everything. It's almost like cooking lined up before I start the project. Um, You know, so I I do a lot of research um, if I'm going to do a DIY and make sure I have everything from beginning to end. So I'm not having to stop halfway through and realizing I don't have a, a specific tool or something that I might need. So, again, I'm big on prep, and I think any good cook would also tell you prep is where it's at. <laughs>
0: so, before we go, I have a question. How has your life changed since doing this show?
1: You know, that's um, – I, because I love design so much, I can't say it's changed so much. I really went into it with the idea that – Um, I didn't want my life to change much, whether we got a season two or not, that I was just going to keep doing what I'm doing, which is, you know, working with clients and building things and eventually hopefully building towards my own studio. That's, you know, so my dreams haven't changed at all. And so I'm still working towards them. I'd love to have my own um, space, my own uh, furniture lines and things like that. So that's what I've been moving towards. And other than, you know, getting a chance to talk with, you know, people like you and some others, you know, in the media, um, I'm trying to keep it pretty much the same. I'm a, you know, Midwestern girl, real low key, you know, like I was just in Arizona for the weekend and we were out riding horses and I'm like, this um, is, this is what it should be like, you know, and so I don't want to lose that part of me that's just super down to earth. And so I'm trying my best to make sure it doesn't change me actually.
0: It's, it's so funny because I've met, I've interviewed a bunch of people and I met, I once was at a dinner party with Leanne Ford. It was just totally sort of random that I ended up at this dinner party um, at this like very fancy house in Brentwood. It was sort of a, and I feel like all the HG, like, do you all know each other or all of you? Like, I'll see some people comment on each other's Instagrams, but have you met the other HGTV hosts? Is there a secret clubhouse? Like, how much <laughs> that?
1: If there's a secret clubhouse, I don't have my invitation yet. (laughs) <laughs> so um but you do tend to start meeting each other especially I think here um I live in LA and so I have met a lot of people on the behind the scenes side of things mm-hmm. um but ultimately I think everybody starts to gravitate um because we, we all have a passion for the same thing which is you know making spaces into dreams and so ultimately mm-hmm. yeah I think it it definitely becomes um a smaller world than 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 you think it is it's the same in Hollywood though after you've been around for a little while you start to see the same same faces in different places. But um, for me, like I said, I just I'm I'm I don't want it to change um, anything about my life necessarily other than, um, you know, I want my own traditional line of my own studio and and a bigger truck next season. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, my fingers are crossed. I think it's such a good show. I think the concept is great. If it were up to me, I would give you another season I'd give you multiple seasons I'd give you longer seasons but it's not up to me so I will say my fingers are crossed for you I would also love to see more of you on the show and more of your process because I thought that your work was beautiful and it was it wasn't only beautiful I feel like there's a lot of in like I probably shouldn't say this but I'm gonna say this I think that like people forget that design has to be practical I think, like, people forget that all the time, especially for the super high end. Like, I'll see things, and I'm like, no one can live in something like this. Like, do they have pets? Do they have children? Like...
1: Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right, Amanda. I wish we um, had focused a little bit more on design. I know that people had been asking for that because our designs were very practical, the budgets were very reasonable, and a lot of people commented. I think it was on our Chino home. They they don't you don't see the refrigerator in the kitchen in the final reveal, and people just slammed us like there is no refrigerator in there, there is no dishwasher in there. What kind of a kitchen is this? Well, the truth is, the refrigerator was right in, behind this pantry door. We had actually had to move it because the kitchen was maybe five feet wide. So the houses we were working with were so small that we had to be very practical and make some some practical decisions on the design side. And, And people were just really confused, I think, in some cases about why did that look that way? You know, why is there no... Seating around that island. Well, again, we were dealing with spaces that were so narrow, we couldn't have seating around the island and have a dining table. There was no way to have those seats butt up against each other. And so we had to make some choices to just put cabinets, for example, on the island, which, you know, gives extra storage, but no, there is no seating. So I didn't get a chance on this season to explain some of the choices. And I think people were um, I, I love how engaged HGTV's audience is. I love that people mm-hmm. were asking those questions. I I, I I tried to answer as many of them as I could on my own Instagram, um, but I would love to be able to have people see that part of the process as well. You're absolutely right, Amanda. Thank you for saying that.
0: Oh, my gosh. Um, so where can people find you? Other than HGTV, what are your social media handles and website?
1: So on um, IG, I'm at Shay Holland Official, and I haven't rebooted my website just yet because I got so uh, busy. I wasn't blogging regularly, but when I do, it'll just be Shay Holland, S-H-A-Y Holland. So I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> Again. And if people do want their mm-hmm. own HGTV show, I just want to throw this in there. Um, we do talk quite a bit about it um, in Hosts in LA, which is a group for TV hosts. And I'm going to try and do a little bit more talking about the process, kind of some of the things I learned in submitting to HGTV and some of the things to do and not to do. So we do talk about that in Host in LA as well. I will, you know what, I'm going to link that in the show notes in case anyone is interested.
0: And I am also in that Facebook group. And I think it's, by the way, I just want to say it's such a great Facebook group. And it's such a service that you're doing that. And I think that like a lot of people in this community are very, you know, like in LA, people don't want other people to be successful, or they don't want to help other people. And like, I just want to say that like the beauty of the internet, and like, I will say like, especially with like, you know, smart TVs and Roku and Apple TV, like there's so much content, there's room for everyone.
1: There definitely is. And I think um, that's the part of me, like I was saying before, I don't want to change. I was raised in a military family. We're all about service. And um, yeah, if I just do this because I want to have a big name and be famous, then I think my life will be pretty empty. So yeah.
0: Well, it feels like it seems like you're very content and your life is very full. And I can't thank you enough for being here. This was so much fun. Thank you
1: so much for having me, Amanda. I loved it. I loved getting a chance to talk with you.